Hello, I'm Zev Newworth, and welcome to Creating New Healthcare, a podcast series for healthcare leaders who are interested in fresh perspectives, new ideas, and bold solutions on how to advance the creation of a customer-oriented, value-based, and humanistic system of health. The views I express on this podcast are solely my own and do not represent the views of any other person or organization. Folks, I am posting this podcast on Tuesday, April 21st, 2020. I'm sharing the day and the date because the days seem to be blurring over these past few weeks during the COVID-19 pandemic. On Friday, March 27th, I launched a limited podcast series addressing how the COVID-19 pandemic is reframing healthcare in the U.S. You can find the 15-minute introductory episode I recorded and posted as episode number 82 on the Creating a New Healthcare podcast. In this limited series, I'm reaching out to interview future-facing, courageous healthcare leaders, entrepreneurs, and practitioners, asking two questions. How is the COVID-19 pandemic immediately changing the way you're delivering healthcare? And how will COVID-19 reframe American healthcare for years to come? The situation is changing rapidly. So in order to share the remarkable insights from these interviews as quickly as possible, I'm releasing a new episode as frequently as I can this week and hopefully next week as well. Now, our guest this week is Sean Duffy. I had the amazingly good fortune of meeting Sean seven or eight years ago when he was in the very, very early phases of Amada Health. Now, Amada is one of the first and one of the leading digital healthcare companies in the country and in the world. I have to give a shout out to my good friend and colleague, Dr. Greg Widener, for introducing me to Sean and to Amada Health uh, that's so many years ago. You know, I have to say, after a couple of hours of listening to Sean, I was completely enamored with him as a person, with his vision and mission, and with the approach he was taking. It was and still is breathtaking and brilliant. Amada Health is based on solid, evidence-based medical science. It's also based on the science of behavior change, which you'll hear more about in this interview, and Sean describes it so eloquently. I don't want to go into depth now providing Sean's background, but I would urge you to listen to the first interview I posted with Sean on November 7th, 2017. I believe it was episode number 12 of Creating a New Healthcare, and we're up to almost episode 100 at this point. I've had the privilege and pleasure of calling Sean a good friend and have interviewed him and spoken to him numerous times over the past few years. And for those of you who read my book on reframing healthcare, you know that I quoted Sean extensively in that book. Sean and Amada Health have come a long way in the past few years. Amada Health has come a long way in the past couple of years. And as you'll hear in this interview, Amada has come a long way in the past couple of months during the COVID-19 pandemic. Amada Health is an absolutely game-changing organization, and they've shown a light on the direction that healthcare should, and in my opinion, will be going. So without further ado, let's drop into the interview I recorded with Sean just three or four days ago. So, Sean, thank you so much for taking a few minutes of your incredibly valuable time. I know you're super, super busy. wanted to touch base with you now just to see what is going on in your world in this COVID era and uh, hopefully in the soon-to-be post-COVID era. Before we jump in with the questions, though, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and say a word or two about uh, Omada Health. 
Sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, happy to. So firstly, thank you so much for uh, having me on and um, thoughts and warmth goes out to everybody across the US uh, who's suffering from uh, COVID-19. So you know, I'm Sean Duffy. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Amata Health. We're a digital care company that supports people with prediabetes, type 2 diabetes, hypertension, and uh, more recently, um, anxiety and depression. Wow, that was good. That <laughs> was succinct. Uh, I can tell you've done that once or twice before. <laughs> so, and and let me just add for those who haven't heard Sean Duffy or heard about Amata Health, I had the opportunity to interview Sean before, and you could definitely look that up. I'll post that in the show notes. But Sean, I'm thinking about Amata Health, and I remember talking to you now seven or eight years ago, and you had already formulated at least a decade ago this understanding that your understanding uh, was and your thought process a decade ago was why are people, patients, having to come into the uh, healthcare system, into the hospitals, into the medical offices and exam rooms and clinics? Why do they have to come to us when we already have the technology at hand to deliver care to them in their own homes, in, in their workplaces? You were contemplating that a decade ago when you were in Boston, right? Or it just seems... Now, a decade later, the world has caught up with your thinking. Basically, the problem we are trying to solve now is the problem you started to solve years ago. I hadn't really thought about that. You know, it's, I mean, it's funny. It's, um, it's one of the, the way I think about it and describe it is we were on this path. And we were on this path because the technology is there. You know, consumer demand is there and has changed. And it's the right path for patients. It's the right path for patients. And frankly, it's a required path to improve the value equation in our healthcare system right now. What happened with COVID-19 was it was a massive catalyst in the reaction. And I think that, I mean, geez, over the last, uh, you know, two months, years of healthcare innovation happened years. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think to your point, when you were thinking about it, it wasn't because of a pandemic and out of necessity of keeping people away from offices and away from hospitals. It was because you saw it as a more consumer-oriented, patient-centered way of providing care more convenient, less costly, in some ways more effective than bringing people in. And of course, now I think we're beginning to realize, uh, again, 10 years after you started solving this problem, that may be the case, that it's definitely less costly and it's definitely more convenient and it may be just as effective. And so what is changing in your delivery of healthcare as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic? Yes. So certainly we, so we've been on this, like everyone across the country, just a you know, roller coaster of a ride over the last couple of weeks and months here. And it's been a really illustrating to me of the importance of, of digital care. Um, and then B just very, very sad to see what everybody's going through across the country. So um, let me just give you the run of show of how, how we've experienced at Omada COVID-19. So uh, you know, I think the 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 first signals always come from our participants, right? The and you know the mantra to mantra is always participants first. So once we started to get, you know, into the back half of March, the COVID wave really started to hit. The first thing that our participants experienced was enormous anxiety. And our data science team, you know, recently looked at you know way to really really quantify that. We had we had a ten x increase in asks from our participants for resources and ideas and thoughts on anxiety and depression. 10x. And that was for our programs for prediabetes. That was for our programs for type 2. Really, you know, what, what's happened is this tidal wave of anxiety and depression has, has hit the nation um, because COVID is a very, very scary thing. It's scary on so many levels 
your personal health, your family health, your job, you know, the global economy, you know, your stocks, you name it, your financial health, uh, it really hits it all. And we immediately kicked into gear thinking about, well, all right, that's, that's clearly a need we need to answer. Well, we need to and answer Sean, wait, for, wait, before, uh-huh. you, before you go on and, and the response you had, how were you getting these signals? Because I have to tell you, you have programs that are digital, online, asynchronous. So you've got a facilitator leading cohorts of individuals, as you're pointing out, with prediabetes, diabetes, and other chronic conditions. How were you receiving these signals? Because quite honestly, I have not heard that from the rest of the healthcare system. And I've been asking, you know, I believe that to be the case, but are people emailing, texting? What are they requesting? What are they saying? How are you getting these signals? Yeah, so it's yours, you're spot on. So it's through our, our coaches. So, you know, Mata, you know, always believes in the mantra that humans matter. Uh, you know, I think humans matter more than ever before right now uh, in the context of COVID. The job of our program, and it's, of course, the coach, is the content, the curriculum, the devices, the group community, and the overall experience that really supports participants through a journey here. But the um, the biggest signal comes from our coaches because it's it's a core responsibility of our coaches to just on a regular basis really always ask people, how are you doing? You know, what's going on? What are the headwinds you're facing, you know, in, in your goals here and your change? And, you know, in some instances in, in a normal world, you know, the response back is, you know, what I think is really getting me is I'm really stressed or I'm, I'm just feeling really depressed right now or I'm feeling, you know, particularly anxious right now. That, that's, there's a steady current of that coming back to our coaches at any given time in the amount of program. Um, and that's what we saw the tenfold increase in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. And so what is your response? How are you thinking about that and what are you doing? So it was interesting. So what happened? So in, in addition to that, you know, we're hearing from our customers, oh, does Amada have anything for stress, for anxiety, for depression? And, you know, reminded them that we do. We were hearing from our employees, like, what could we do to support our participants in new ways? And um, it's almost like everybody had ideas, uh, you know, across the entire organization. So the product team, you know, spun up a task force, essentially a digital war room, where every single morning um, they built this, they, you know, they, they, well, first they built this huge skeleton of, of kind of a COVID ideas spreadsheet of all the ideas that we could put forward to our participants to help support them through COVID. And every single morning, uh, the uh, task force would do a regular stand-up and you know, get on Zoom and run through which ideas are new, which ideas were in progress, what's the status, which are plausible, which are feasible, which are likely to help actually deliver a you know, further clinical outcome, and just started shipping them. And we've made dozens of changes. And we were able to do that you know, in large part because of the modularity of the, the digital tools, which I think is one of the benefits of digital care. If you need to undergo massive ops change in kind of a hospital setting, which frankly, you know, many hospitals are facing right now, your physical infrastructure becomes a, a limiter. You know, for Amada, we can immediately make sure that all the goals we set with participants are COVID aware, you know, no going to the gym, you know, online home workouts, create new topic-based communities, create new resources, change what the participants see right when they open the front door of the app, you know, a whole host of work. And, you know, if helpful, I can point to a couple of examples, but um, just started kicking in to make sure that um, our program was best tuned to support participants with what they were feeling as it relates to COVID. That's fascinating. Now you already had, if I understand correctly, you already had a program around depression or anxiety. Is that true? Uh-huh. And the reason, frankly, the reason we built that at Omada was in, in large part because we found that there was high comorbidity between, say, diabetes and depression anyway. And if depression is a key reason you're not able to really live with diabetes as healthily as possible, you've got to address the depression. So, you know, we had had that. It's a relatively newer product for Omada. I mean, we are, you know, out in the market selling it commercially, you know, had customers, 
what we did is uh, it was on the product roadmap to integrate a lot of the um, anxiety and depression content into our programs with type two and pre-diabetes. We massively accelerated that. I mean, we brought in um, behavioral health CBT modules into the programs for people with chronic disease, you know, audio techniques and exercises into the program, you know, the works. And then what we also did is we, we you know, we looked at, you know, what would be kind of pragmatic for Amada and, you know, and, and how we could contribute. And we um, launched a, uh, really an offering out to the market for any employer plan. You know, we're donating all of our available really capacity for um, our anxiety and depression programs to, uh, you know, customers in need here who might not be in a position to, to, you know, be able to pay. We got that out in market really in the span of weeks, not months. You know, it's interesting that integration you're talking about taking uh, what was a standalone program now around mental health and integrating it into what was a chronic disease management program around, let's say, diabetes or prediabetes. It seems to me that that is one of the catalytic effects uh, and impacts of COVID-19. Yeah, to- totally agree. You know, and I hope that that's happening in all care areas, frankly. You know, it just seems to me that what you are offering and what you have, and there are a handful of provider groups or companies like yours that are in that genre where, you know, the rest of us are crawling, I think, across the country. You're really in that flight, if you will. Are you getting requests from provider groups for your services or for partnering? I, I just... I imagine that's got to be coming. Oh, you know, I, I think it. I think it will be coming. Um, you know, I think that because right now what's happened is uh, we're kind of on the other side of the initial uh, operational adjustments that needed to be made. You know, to support patients. So the second question becomes: Is were those the right tools? A lot of the telemedicine visits, you know, thus far were you know phone calls and maybe for more advanced providers, you know, video visits. Now the question becomes: All right, was that is that optimal for the patient in the condition area and uh, in in chronic diseases, the, you know the answer is a resounding no. That's not optimal. You need lots of ongoing support. It's most efficient and operationally efficient to use a whole host of digital tools, content, goals, communities, you know, devices, monitoring different types of professionals to help support dip, uh, patients in different ways. So I, I do think that's coming. I think what's going to happen here in the employer and payer, you know, and provider market is all right. Now the dust has settled on the initial adjustments needed to you know respond to the disease, or it's starting to settle ideally. Um, what happens until a vaccine? Because the whole com- country needs to operate as an in-person, as option B, um, you know, mentality. And what's the right tool for that? And you know, I think in many answers, the capabilities that Omada has created can help solve some of the, the challenges here. If this becomes as what I think the epidemiologists, and I just saw this article this week from Harvard, the School of Public Health, saying that you know their projections, conservatively speaking, are that we're going to be in social distancing on and off. For the next two years. If that is true, uh, even to a certain extent, we are going to have to be taking care of chronic disease uh, for, for many, many months or a couple of years. And I think, you know, what you have put together over many years uh, with a tremendous head start, and I think it's quite brilliant, is a, a comprehensive approach to managing uh, helping people manage their chronic conditions, medical conditions, whether that be diabetes or, or anxiety or depression, hypertension, weight management. It's more, it requires much more than just a virtual phone call or virtual visit, right? You have this, you have a coaching modules and your modules, again, just to remind folks who aren't familiar with it, it's based on evidence-based medicine. It's based on on years of research in the National Diabetes Prevention Program showing what it takes to help people with chronic disease successfully. It is group cohorts, uh, it is using psychological tools, it is using behavioral economic tools, uh, you know, the coaching, the nudging, 
uh, the reminders, the asynchronous care. It's a whole potpourri of care. Could you say some more about that? Well, when I'm always out there in the world, I always call it the, the you know, the the single instrument fallacy in, in that, um, especially in chronic disease, like no one thing is going to do the job. So, you know, a phone call is not enough. A video visit is not enough. Uh, you know, private messaging between a coach or a clinician and a person's not going to maximize the outcomes or efficiency. Great content, you know, where they learn is not enough. You know, great goal architecture, incentive architecture is not enough. Great community is not enough. Great devices are not enough. Great tracking is not enough. Either food or activity. Like you actually have to have all the instruments in the symphony to create an emotionally moving piece. Um, uh, and that's what you need to like help really support someone through, you know, the ebbs and flows of chronic disease. So, uh, you know, I think that the tools for the job uh, are many and the, you know, the, the years of Amada's journey has been about taking the hard road of building that entire toolkit such that when we need to leverage certain ones in certain ways for certain reasons, you know, we can do so to maximize health, um, uh, you know, at a, at a cost effective price point. So that's the, um, that's the way that we, we've been thinking about it. And that modularity and having a whole lot of tools in the toolkit was what really helped us as we made the product changes needed to support our participants through COVID. Mm -hmm. What other signals are you hearing from people in this time? And, and you have a lot of data. I think that's the other thing I was thinking about. You're collecting tremendous amounts of data around a peak because all the remote monitoring in terms of the weights and, and the blood pressures and the sugars is there some early data you can share with us in terms of how this COVID-19 is impacting physiologic parameters? Because the rest of us are flying blind because we don't have that. Um, so we have no idea. You do. Totally. So the, um, we're, we're putting together an entire, um, and when this is ready, I'll absolutely share it with you, kind of an entire piece and analysis of um, you know, the stories from the data you know, throughout this journey. Because the interesting thing is every, every single week's felt different. I mean, it's interesting. The um, the early signals were that the end of March was really the toughest for people. We saw the most changes in eating behaviors and things that people were doing in the program and the most headwinds there. Um, it does look like the last couple of weeks, people are starting to emerge out of it. Um, interestingly enough, and you know, now it's what it's April, you know, 17th, while we're recording this on, you know, the, the journey is going to carry up from here. And, you know, interestingly enough right now, the teams are not focused on today at Omada right now from a product side. We feel like we've done, incredible adjustments to the program to make it responsive to COVID-19, but the teams are focused on tomorrow, which is as we get to a point where there needs to be pockets of reopening, but done in different ways, what's that going to feel like to folks? Um, how do we make sure that we tune the program toward that? And it's funny, it's some small things like we, um, from a product infrastructure standpoint, you know, the, I've confirmed, you know, with our head of product that we can actually adjust the feature set that someone experiences based on geography. So, you know, and, and this is really important as different areas of the country reopen in different ways across the country. Like the, you'll actually have a different program experience. So you, let's say California reopens before New York. If you live in California and supported by Amada, the program will be different. You know, and so you're learning lessons that you can actually transfer from one region to another. One region to the other. Exactly. Exactly. And just like little voices. I mean, the um, there's a big pull for social community and being connected to others. Uh, you know, I think because of the social distancing. So the whole humans matter approach that, you know, Amada has put forward really since the beginning is, is more important than ever right now. Little things, I mean, we, we created a community of people to support each other for, you know, one example is like staying active at home. Within the first 24 hours of opening that community, we had over a thousand people join it. These are completely optional communities. So 
you know, sub-communities in Armada. So these, these, these sorts of things have just started to really appear. And I think people in this moment, they need connection, support, and love more than ever. Yeah. You know, I wanted to ask you about that. So in the past, does Armada Health have any synchronous visits or care or, and now are you seeing more of that? Are you instituting more of that? I didn't see an analysis on that, but given that it hasn't appeared as a change in, in the product metrics that have been forwarded to me, I don't think there has been. We do offer it. And in large part, what, what we found participants tend to like the most is actually not synchronous. It's you know messaging back and forth, messaging with their communities. Th- that seems to have stayed the same. That seems to have stayed the same. That's fascinating to me. I mean, normally I, I would agree, especially the folks who are using digital health, the asynchronous way is the way to go. It's just so convenient. That's the way we live our lives, right? I mean, it's most of the communication is asynchronous. But I would have thought that people would have wanted to get together in a more synchronous way, but you're saying you're not seeing that. It's still very much the asynchronous. Yeah, and, and again, I'll, um, we'll have kind of the full analysis out and we, we'll you know, be able to look at that as well, but it hasn't, that hasn't popped up as, um, in, my, in my radar as a huge change or trend. Um, that, you know, that being said, I do think that um, you know, in terms of people talking to loved ones, nobody's seeing each other now. So I bet like the, you know, we've all probably experienced our own personal version of calling our friends and family more because you don't see them. I think Omada, we were always supporting through messaging, you know, based on our user preference. Hang tight on the conclusion there, just given that it's I'm not so in touch with that particular aspect of the data. No, it's great. What about consumer sentiment? Do you see consumer sentiment changing? You know, what's driving people maybe in the future that wasn't quite there in the past? Yeah. Well, well so two things. Healthcare transformed. 10 years from now, people will be writing books still on these, you know, these couple of months. And there's a couple things. So, so one, I think a lot of the regulatory and policy changes will be sticky. They're painted as temporary, telemedicine, reciprocity, digital billing codes, but I think the dam has been broken on that. It could be proven wrong, but I just, I just don't think that'll change because people like it and it makes sense. And second of that, users are trying access to care in new ways and there's nothing like really a forcing function that requires people to try a new thing to determine if they like like that new new way of operating. And, you know, I mean, Zoom is the classical example. I mean, Zoom is now a consumer company. That's not going away. My eight-year-old cousin texts me like, hey, have you heard of Zoom? <laughs> you want to connect on Zoom? <laughs> like, it's, it's just, that's not, that's not changing. That's not changing. Um, so in my, you know, I use my mom as an example. My mom is someone who has not engaged with any sort of digital care, is not the most tech-savvy person, but can get an app just fine. You know, she's uh, doing FaceTime visits with her providers. And I asked her mom on the other side of this, are you going to go back? She's like, no way. I have to drive the 45 minutes. This is the most convenient thing ever. So uh, the world is different. Every single plan, every single employer, every single provider will have to massively tune what they do to operate in a digital first mentality in, in this new era. I'm convinced of it. That's so interesting. I, I've heard, you know, people say that if permitted uh, and social distancing goes away, maybe people will revert back to what was habit before in terms of going in. But I tend to agree with you and we'll see how it plays out that, you know, the biggest hurdle was just trying it. And once you've tried it and you see that it's not so scary and it's not so technologically difficult, it's like, wait a minute, I can actually do this and, and not spend half a day and all that money and all that time. I tend to agree with you, but I, I think we'll see that play out. Well, Sean, I know you got to go. I can't thank you enough for uh, speaking with us and for what you are doing and the path you've paved for the rest of us. I hope that uh, others 
hear and see what you all are doing and begin to adopt it and uh, hope that we leapfrog into the future that you've made us uh, capable of seeing. Well, yeah, super kind of you. And yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And I'm uh, happy to chat as, uh, in any time, as always. So. Well, thanks, Sean. Take care and be well. Wonderful. Take care. So, folks, that was the interview I recorded just a few days ago with Sean Duffy, the co-founder and CEO of Omada Health, one of the leading digital healthcare companies in the country. Similar to some of the other recent interviews I've been privileged to host, there are a number of critical lessons for the future of U.S. healthcare that emerge from this dialogue. The major take-home lesson for me is that chronic condition management is more, much more than just a virtual visit or a remote monitoring device. As Sean points out, it takes a lot of finely tuned and expertly managed instruments playing all together in sync from the very same symphonic sheet to make beautiful, meaningful, and emotionally moving music. Amada Health, similar to other leading digitally advanced healthcare companies, has taken a holistic or, as Sean says, a whole-person approach, which does include remote monitoring, 24-7 asynchronous signal collection and responsiveness, machine learning and automated responses that enhance customization and personalization of care, expert health coaching and group facilitation. And I have to tell you, the health coaching model that uh, Sean and Amada use is just amazing. I've experienced it firsthand. Also included is the power of social community to enhance engagement and behavior change, the inclusion of behavioral health monitoring and treatment into its general chronic condition management programs, and advanced motivation and behavior change approaches such as habit formation and behavioral economic techniques. Amada Health has existed in the digital, virtual, remote realm for many years prior to this COVID-19 pandemic era. As a result, not only do they have a vast trove of experience delivering care in this way, they can continue to innovate and advance their model at an accelerated pace, which is exactly what they're doing, as Sean shared with us in this interview. On a related note, one major aha for me during this interview was the point Sean made about all the data that they're collecting. Amata Health has been for years and continues to collect physiologic, emotional, and behavioral signals. As a result, during this pandemic, they're able to, in real time, analyze and understand how the various phases of the pandemic are affecting its clients and the populations they serve. This has allowed them to rapidly iterate and adjust their care model to meet current patient needs and also to be prepared as certain regions enter into phases of the pandemic that other regions have already been through, which is just absolutely remarkable. One example of the signals is the market increase in depression and anxiety that Amada Health has picked up and now is responding to by including more behavioral health into its chronic condition programs. You know, I, I came away from this interview with a much greater appreciation for the work that Amada Health and other similar organizations have been doing my hope for American healthcare is that our healthcare system at large takes advantages of these representatives from the future and collaborates in a way that allows us to collectively leapfrog into a healthcare system that not only delivers better care, but also delivers more humanistic care. My friends, these are unprecedented times. So I hope you find valuable information, guidance, and inspiration in listening to these 
experts and entrepreneurs share how they're adapting to this pandemic in real time and how they're thinking about and planning for the future. And as I do each and every episode, I'd like to conclude by thanking all of you out there who are doing the hard work each and every day of taking care of patients or those of you who are supporting those who are taking care of patients in these times especially. I and we truly appreciate you for what you do and recognize how critically important your work is to individuals, families, communities, and our society. My friends and colleagues, please, please, please take care of yourself. And please share this podcast series with your colleagues. This is Zev Neuwirth. You've been listening to a limited series on how COVID-19 is reframing healthcare in America, part of the Creating a New Healthcare podcast. Until next time, be safe and be well.